Enjoy the convenience of seven days a week banking and extended hours with Cube from First Arkansas Bank and Trust, member FDIC. Brandon Marcel of 24-7 Sports. And Brandon, as always, man, appreciate you joining us. How are you doing this afternoon? Doing great. How are you, man? Well, well, we're doing great, man. And I got, uh, again, just, you know, we talked a little bit this morning about the article that you wrote about KJ. And I guess uh, I know you have your national college football guy. You write about a lot of different pieces and everything. But what, out of curiosity, sparked you to decide to to write about KJ and to look at it in this light? Yeah, you know, I've been looking around this summer or like actually this past spring at the players that I think that are kind of, one, they're going to be the top dogs that we see this upcoming season, and also the players that have very interesting stories that maybe haven't been shared very much. And I'm went about the country talking to people you know, to find these players, and then also kind of stretch these out in the summer months as uh, as we kind of wait for talking season to begin when media days begin. So. KJ was my uh, the first player uh, that, that we ended up publishing, one of the more interesting players to me. One, because I know he's, we're seeing him on boards as a dark horse Heisman Trophy candidate, so to speak. But, you know, what exactly does that entail? How does he become this type of player? And what does it mean, actually, for Arkansas? And what does that mean in the, a bigger picture for people who maybe are not, you know, necessarily as ingrained and you know, following Arkansas football as closely as everybody in, in the state of Arkansas, obviously, uh, is. Also, um, you did. You had a question of who would you want on your team leading this season? Would it be Anthony Richardson of Florida or KJ Jefferson? So, what are some of those comparisons, and uh, who would you favor now? Anthony Richardson, interestingly enough, is uh, he hasn't had a ton of starts, but he's getting a lot of talk for the NFL draft upcoming next year and being a highly drafted player. Yeah, I think, you know, Anthony Richardson's the type of guy that he's got a lot of the tools that these analysts and scouts are really looking at the next level and projecting him more so than a K.J. Jefferson. So that makes him a really a hot topic. And, of course, we saw at times what he's capable of last season when he was brought in as spot duty and, we haven't seen him for an extended period of time, so there's always that question of, well, did we already see the best of him, so to speak? Um, we'll see. But I think what was more interesting about that, actually, when I presented that question, was uh, an answer that a colleague of mine at 24-7 Sports brought up, and that's Bud Elliott. He said, can we, can we also include their coaches? And Because uh, if so, he said, I'd take you know, Kendall Bryles with, uh, with the quarterback, and that quarterback being K.J. Jefferson. Whereas if Kendall Bryles was moving from team to team, I think some people would take Kendall Bryles and Anthony Richardson in that system. So I, I do think that there is still a bit to, to be said about how Kendall Bryles and his air raid system very much is attached to the success level of the quarterback and not necessarily how that quarterback projects say, on their own in a different system or with a different coaching staff. And, uh, you know, I've been I've said this uh, the last several months, you know, it was huge for Arkansas that not that um, they've got so many players returning on offense, but it's huge for them that they got Kendall Bryles returning on that offense to coordinate it because if he had left, 
um, say for a Miami, for example, I'm not so sure that you can go out and get a coach who's got a system that's comparable to what he's doing in the development that would make a seamless transition year to year. And uh, that would have been bigger loss to me than, say, Arkansas losing receiver Traylon Burks to the NFL. Well, you bring up Kendall Bryles and the, and the combination of them, because I do agree with you, but what is it about Kendall Bryles and the type of offense that he does run that makes quarterbacks in general successful? Because we know, obviously, he come from the Bryles family and came from there from Baylor where there was success. And, you know, KJ wasn't recruited by Kendall Bryles, but what is it about that offensive system that's able to put a quarterback like KJ in so much position for success? Well, number one, it's the coaching and the development of the player and the technique and the fundamental stuff. And that, that differs from coach to coach, obviously. But Kendall Bryles and that Bryles family has kind of got a secret recipe, so to speak, that it's kind of put it all together. And so you can't necessarily duplicate that by simply showing someone the book of this is how we go about developing a quarterback. And it takes some gut instinct there, too, when you're dealing with kids and different uh, you know, uh, attitudes and everything. And then also... That system is different in the sense that it's such a tight circle. There's not a lot of people on this planet who actually know the intricacies of the Kendall Brown system. Heck, I would venture to say there's probably people on Arkansas staff who are not fully uh, allowed to see exactly what goes into that process with their air raid system and what they're telling players to do play-to-play and how to run routes or how to block. Well, for for an example, I've heard stories at Baylor about uh, how certain receivers were taught to do certain things or not necessarily relax on certain plays, but they knew when the ball was even going to be on their side of the field or not, dependent on what they saw from the defensive back. So they kind of were able to save up some energy, so to speak, for a play or two down the line, but they knew that they would be more uh, utilized in. So... And that comes from teaching within this, this system. And that differs from game to game and obviously season to season. So it's, it's a little bit different in that aspect. It's, um, there's a lot of different um, tentacles to this thing that goes beyond just here's the playbook and here's what we're going to teach you. KJ Jefferson has had a full season as a starter in this system. And he runs well, moves uh, whenever he has to. And uh, he throws a good deep ball. So what can he do to keep growing as a player? You know, I think, you know, Kendall Browse mentioned it in the spring is very, I think it's the number one thing is, is tightening up that release, that motion. Um, he did a pretty good job of that last season. And then also maybe just kind of trusting the receivers more um, outside of obviously Traylon Burks. He's got Hazelwood now there on campus. With the coaching staff, I'm told there at Arkansas, not just love, but believe he's going to be the breakout kid for them this upcoming season. And and why not? He was heavily recruited out of high school. He was the number one player in the 24-7 sports composite just three years ago before he went to OU. And um, listen, uh, Arkansas's got a load of talent, and we know with Kendall Bryles and that offense, they're going to get the best out of them. But early this upcoming season, it's a matter of, getting on the same page with some of these new faces as they try to figure out a way to replace Burks, but also maybe spread that ball out a little bit more in the passing game. Speaking with Brandon Marceau of 24-7 Sports here on the Jones and Sun Diamond and Bridal Fine Jewelry Hotline, 
Now, I know you got a chance, Brandon, to, to talk to uh, not only KJ, but to, to Bryles and to, to Sam Pittman a little bit about it. And it feels like every time we've talked to Pittman, he's just been, you know, saying nothing but great things about him and, and the same thing with Bryles. But just from KJ's perspective and after you talking to him a little bit, what were some of your takeaways? Because he's not a guy that's very talkative. You know, he's not real active on social media or anything, at least not talkative to the press conferences and the media and all that. But what were some of the things that you uh, really stood out to you from your conversation with KJ? He loves shoes. Um, we talked about his shoe collection and, and the shoes he wants. He says there's not many shoes out there he wants because he's pretty much got them all that he does want. Uh, he loves the Jordan 4s as of a couple of months ago when I was talking to him. But also he's talked a lot about leadership and learning uh, how to be a leader, and I, which I know kind of gets to the cliché sect of college football where we always talk about silent leaders and all these type of things and it gets in this cliche and none of it's really ever true but you know with KJ and these coaches that KJ talked quite a bit about the impact Felipe Franks had on him and how when Felipe Franks was was coming on board he said you know his initial thought was maybe I should transfer even though this is only a one-year kind of stopgap situation for Felipe maybe I should just leave and go elsewhere, it's a new staff, I don't quite know what this is going to look like. But he said he met with Felipe and realized he was a bit of a different cat. It was All this was kind of business to him. He'd been through the wars himself at Florida for several years. He knew how it worked. And Felipe, he said, they had some very open and honest discussions. And he kind of said, you know, listen, it's not a fake bone in Felipe's body. And he quickly became a friend. And I started he said he started studying him and how he would just his body language and how he'd handle himself away from the field and how he would talk to guys and not necessarily having to get up in the locker room and do rah-rah stuff, but taking guys aside and making sure to kind of whisper in their ear and give them pointers um, without bringing attention to it. Simple little things like that KJ picked up on and said those are the type of things that make a great quarterback, number one, but also make you into a great leader. You have to be fully involved, and he realized that I got to be more fully involved with all this, and um, that's what he really took from it. He still talks to Felipe today. I mean, when I talked to him a couple months ago, he was talking about how he was exchanging text messages and doing FaceTime with him still about you know what, what's going on in Arkansas, and I think that was a huge, huge, huge uh, thing for him. I, I'm not sure KJ Jefferson is the quarterback he is today if. Arkansas and and, Chris, and and excuse me, Sam Pittman didn't sign Felipe Franks for that one year because it really kind of changed the tenor of the program and, and that quarterback room. Now, something that's big for KJ is family, and at Arkansas, he's not too far away from his family, which is in Mississippi. But when he's out there making some of those great plays, you always see the shots of his family and his cheering section. So that's something that's uh, that's really big for him. Yeah, you're exactly right, and I think obviously the, the biggest game that stands out in our minds is that, that Ole Miss game, you know, when they went to Oxford, that, that was huge for him, and he, he put Arkansas on his back. It's just too bad he couldn't play some defense for Arkansas that day, but um, I, I think that what's going to be big for him is knowing when to kind of pick his spot and maybe not having to feel like he's got to carry the team every week or every other week. He's got to pick his spots within games, kind of certain bursts of moments that he needs to take over. So that's a that's a big thing for him to kind of realize. And, again, it goes back to what I was saying earlier about trusting 
some of these other receivers more. Not to say he doesn't. I'm just saying if there's you, you got to have a little bit more faith in some of these guys to be your game breaker when you need that to happen. It, it's about a feel for the game because there are certain situations where he will have to put the team on his back. We saw that in the Outback Bowl. He did carry a lot of that load as far as rushing in that bowl game and uh, able to get a win against Penn State. Yeah, and, you know, and, and the passing prowess just wasn't quite there. And, you know, Sam Pittman was telling me a couple months ago, you know, you just look at the stats and you go, is this a kind of a sign of what we're going to be dealing with in August? We did preseason camp. And is this what life's going to be like without Traylon Burks? Did it really just shut us all down? And then he says, I also look at the rushing stats and I go, wow, we uh, ran it all over them against a really good Penn State defense. So, you know, it'll even it out. At some point, that'll all be figured out. I mean, you just look through Kendall Browse's past and and the numbers there just kind of works itself out anyway. But um, you've got to... You've got to be able to sit back and figure those things out in August, which is a little bit more difficult to do these days because, you know, the, the rules have been in place the last several years as far as contact drills and all that stuff. But um, I, this is uh, this is going to be, I would say, a very important first two weeks of preseason camp for teams like Arkansas where you got to replace a big-time star player. That is going to lead me to my next question, Brandon. It's just about the legs of KJ because we know he has speed and he's a big guy. You know, a lot of people try to make the comparisons of a, of a Cam Newton, which is always, you know, pretty insane. But, uh, you know, just as far as the build and the speed and all that, he definitely got it. So do you think that because of not having Traylon Burks, that he may be more involved in the rushing game on top of also having some more experienced and some really quality running backs to be able to help it out? Do you think like Arkansas and KJ will be a lot more involved in the run this year than they were last year? I, you know, I, I'm, that's a good question. I'm not so sure that he would be more involved in the run game. I think they would just ask him to um, – I think, it, in fact, considering what they got coming back at running back, I would think that they're going to lean on them a little bit more uh, More so. I don't think you want to put K.J. in a situation where, as we saw last year in the Texas A&M game, for example, where he's going to get injured. I mean, heck, you know, Sam Pennant was telling me, like, we didn't really know. I mean, we knew he could run, but – you know, after the Rice game, the season opener last season, they, that's when they kind of realized, oh, yeah, this is what we got in the runner from him. We knew he was big and physical, but he could do these certain things. And, and that's because they weren't allowing him to be tackled in practices like most, most college football programs. And there's a fine line there, and especially now where you're sitting there and you're thinking, okay, you know, you might end up being more conservative with wanting your – your quarterback to run when you have a little bit more at stake and there's a target on your back, you know, you just won nine games and now you're trying to match that or do better. And it's going to take a lot of things going right for that to happen with including, of course, <laughs> goodness gracious, keeping as many bodies healthy as you can. So I, I kind of honestly think that they might try to take more off of him this upcoming season in the running game. Do you get the feel that K.J. will become more vocal this season, or is he just a guy that's going to continue to lead with his play? I think he's a guy that's just going to lead with his play and, and, and talk to guys off to the side. He says he speaks up when he has to in the locker room. He, say, he says he notices now that players, his teammates, look to him at all times. And he's kind of taking that kind of mindset with it with Felipe Franks and what he taught him about how 
you know, take guys aside when you need to, talk to them. You don't have to be a raw, raw guy. Just be involved at all times. And KJ's that guy. This is kind of a, a business type of situation for him. He's trying to build his own future. And to do that, you got to have people believing in you. And uh, it's almost like building a, your own little small business. Your employees have to believe in you and your vision. And that's kind of what he's doing in that Arkansas locker room the last year. Yeah, because I think that's something that has got to be always easier said than done because at the quarterback position, there's almost an expectation where it's like, well, if you're going to be a quality quarterback, you also got to be the leader. And some people are leaders and some people are, are not. And I think that that's what makes it so unique. But with a guy like KJ and, and looking at, uh, you know, you mentioned about the Dark Horse Heisman Trophy uh, candidate and all those things, looking at all the bodies work and everything, Brandon, I mean, do you believe that he can be a Heisman Trophy candidate? It's hard. To, I know it's hard to do it at a place like Arkansas. We saw it close with Darren McFadden, but – I mean, can he do that this year? Can he be that guy and be that good this year for Arkansas? It's going to take some big upset victories in addition to just rolling up those type of stats. I think it's very clear when you play in the SEC, you not only need the stats, but you're going to have to get the big wins. And for him, those opportunities arrive when you play Alabama, of course, or even uh, Texas A&M, but more so Alabama. you got to get a big, 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 huge win and something that hasn't been quite done. And you look back at Darren McFadden, I mean, not only was he putting up the numbers, but of course that one season, if I recall, I can't remember, they won like eight straight games or something like that after losing, or maybe nine straight or ten straight after losing the season opener against USC. And they were able to beat some, not necessarily top five teams, although they did beat Auburn on the road, which was the top five team at the time, but didn't prove to be so at the end of the year. But they just were consistent, and they were consistent week to week. And that big early season win kind of put him on the map, and then he continued it and then beat a top 15 Tennessee at home. But then, of course, this Heisman campaign kind of fell, fell apart near the end, and he finishes the runner-up. If they fell apart, he's still the runner-up. You need a huge, huge win to put you on the map. To, to get to that point, and you need the stats. And, I mean, listen, K.J. was extremely consistent last year. Uh, I think that gets lost in all this. I mean, goodness, he threw 20 touchdowns against only two interceptions in the final 11 games of the season. That's nuts. But, having said that, he's going to have to throw more touchdowns. He's going to have to put up more yardage. And he needs to beat someone of the likes of Alabama to, to end up being in New York City at the end of the year. Well, Brandon, as always, man, appreciate you joining us. Great stuff. Again, check out his article on 247sports.com about K.J. Jefferson and his growth as a quarterback, man. Great article. Always appreciate it. Enjoy the weekend, and I'm sure we'll be catching up with you, all right? All right. Thanks, guys. Enjoy uh, Omaha. I'm, I'm uh, jealous.